episode 158, Content Marketing Cheat Sheet. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trost-Claire, and today we're Dr. Kevin Christie's perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back to the show. Today is almost like a dual sponsorship because I will get a complimentary copy of his book, Doing It Right, Modern Chiropractic Marketing. But quite frankly, I probably would have bought the book anyway. Dr. Kevin Christie is no stranger to podcasting. He had the desk jockey for many years, and then now he has the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. It is partially him and then partially interviews, depending on you know what he wants to do. But he is doing it right. He's been doing strategic coaching for a long time. He's got a successful business in Boca Raton and Miami, I believe. And he's been invited to like Parker University, Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, and different places because he does content marketing. Not $19.95 for a, an exam x-ray, an adjustment, or anything like that. No, this is creating content that people actually care about and then strategically promoting that in different ways, repurposing it, having a, having education-based marketing, uh, I'm going to talk about the three types of patient life cycles, you know, the patient that's never been in your office, the experience of the patient in your office, and then those who came and have not been active for quite a while. What do we do with all those people? And I think one of his models now is automate, outsource, and delegate what you can because there's a reason, because, you know, at one point you have more time than money and now that eventually you have more money so you can buy back your time. Before we go any further... The second sponsorship is by Swanson Health. They've been producing quality vitamins and supplements and foods and self-care products for over 50 years right in the heart of America. They have a Swanson quality code. That means they have a strict quality for the standards for their products and that they must adhere to. They've got over 20,000 products on their website, swanson.com. And I have used them off and on in the past. So I'm glad that they are a sponsor for the show. And if you want to try any of the Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code doctors 20 that's D-O-C-T-O-R-S-2-0, and get 20% off of your order. That's swanson.com. Before we jump into the interview, I just want you to know that the coloring books, the trilingual animal kids coloring books, are now available on Amazon, all six. If I had to say just buy one, it'd be the five-in-one called the All the Books. You can find those at adoctorsperspective.net slash coloring or even drjustintrosclair.com slash coloring. Either one works. You can get them on Amazon. If you want to buy in bulk, because it's English, Chinese, and Spanish all on one page for each kind of animal or insect, etc., this could be a nice giveaway for patients who have kids. It's very affordable. Or just put some in your office and they can tear some pages out and color them as they wait. All kinds of things that you can do. So, I, so just reach out from the webpage or social media if you want to do any kind of bulk orders. I can get you a better price. So let's jump in. It's fully loaded. Grab your pen or your OneNote, Evernote app. All the show notes and the transcript will be available at a doctorsperspective.net slash 158. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany in Boca Raton, Florida. Today on the show, we got the goat of chiropractic marketing, but not that old school style where it's $19 for an exam. We're talking real strategy with real prices. And he's a former, I would say, former host of the Desk Jockey podcast. He's the current host of the Modern Marketing for Chiropractors. It's huge. Pretty much every episode, you're going to get something good, whether he's interviewing somebody or just uh, pontificating for himself. And uh, he's soon to be author. And he's a long member of Strategic Coach, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, eight years now. Wow. So that's a commitment in time and money and it's going yeah. to pay off. So please welcome Dr. Kevin Christie. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words and I appreciate you having me on your show. No problem. Well, it's no secret. You've got a book coming out. This is a yeah. what is going on with this book, but I love it because uh-huh. it's going to be good information. You know, pre-chat, we're trying to talking about what to cover. And, you know, recently we've done videos how to convert that into a blog post. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Google reviews and how important that is. But the one yeah. thing that I don't think we've had a ton of talk about on this is mm. strategy. Yeah. How do you, are we doing YouTube? Are we doing Facebook? Are we doing in-house marketing and uh, mm-hmm. the local doctors? Like, How do we implement something tomorrow with yeah. the information we already have? It's a, it's a very good question. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. I'm assuming a lot of your audience is doctors. <laughs> correct, correct, of all so, specialties. 
Yeah. So, you know, doctors have a lot of work to do just being a doctor. And so how do you implement marketing? And it definitely depends on where you're at in your career and in your, let's just call it practice finances, right? And so I try to definitely, even in the book, we talk about that, but you know, if it's the year one doctor that's got more time than money, then, then maybe they're doing a, a fair amount of it. But then down the road, you really want to get good at delegating. And so it's more about your practice having this marketing versus you doing this marketing. And, uh, it, but you just can't maybe afford that out of the gates. And so it's going to have to, come from you early on. So I always try to make doctors understand that you don't have to also be a marketing uh, person as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I know you, you, being that you have your own podcast, I know you probably can go on for like 20 minutes. No, no problem. And that, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So, um, <laughs> when you do want a little bit more guidance, let me know. I'm just going to let you kind of talk for a little while and then I'm going to yeah. write some questions as you speak and then I'll follow up with some of these these questions that I have. Is that cool? Yeah, that's perfect. You know, and so it's like when you chat with different chiropractors, one of the things I love about what I try to talk about is content marketing, right? So uh, there's a lot of different types of marketing. There's a lot of different uh, misinterpretations of what marketing is or is not. But content marketing to me is just the best marketing that a doctor can do because it's like invisible marketing, right? You're just, you're really educating the community around your topic. Obviously, you want to develop potentially a niche or a specialty, and then you're going to have an audience in your community that would really resonate with that. And then you're just going to feed them very good information, and you're going to do it consistently. And so it's not like you're marketing. You're not running spammy ads. You're not doing cheesy radio spots like you're you're actually providing value to the community and from there you will position yourself as an expert in that particular field right of knowledge and people will come and see you and they'll actually refer to you even if they never even came to your practice and it's just amazing what if you do really good content marketing what it can do for your practice and i try to dive into like three different types of strategies with that and we can we can break that down if you'd like before we do that yeah when we're talking about a content okay i'm not really into golf but let's say someone cares about golf because they typically have disposable income yeah do we just start with okay what do i know about golf all right mm. maybe it's 500 words and then you mm -hmm. add another 500 words and now you got a nice say 2000 word thing about golf yeah but you take some more seminars maybe you do that tpi thing Mm -hmm. And uh, now you know even more, so you put some more stuff together. Should we just keep adding to where it ends up being like a 10-page printed landing page about golf? Or should we be separating that into separate articles so that whenever you're advertising, now you got to pick which article works best or just that massive page? You know what I mean? It's just a – yeah, you can go about it a couple different ways. But like for, for example, if, you, if someone were to write a book, uh, you know, that might be 50,000, 75,000 words. And then you can take parts of that and disperse it out as content, which I'm actually been doing with the book that I wrote right now. We haven't released it yet, but I've been dripping out some emails, putting certain sections as a blog on our website and utilizing some of that content as uh, smaller chunks, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend 20 pages or something on a website or 20,000 words on a website that can get a little bit overkill. And so you'd probably want to break that up into different blogs. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're talking about a blog on your website, at least 750 words, maybe up to 2,000. There's a lot of other strategies with blogging that would help it actually compel people and have a higher readability so you're not boring them to death. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't go overkill with, with your web website pages. Okay. Very good. So – what are some of these strategies? Let's do so, it. So, yeah, you know, I would say the big misconception with doctors is is new patients, right? Like you got to have new patient marketing uh, only, and it's all focused on that. New patient marketing is important. We all know new patients are vital to the to the livelihood of our practice. I, I get that, but I just want to put that aside for right now. But that is strategy one. We'll get to it. But there's other, there's two other aspects of this patient life cycle, if you will, right? So if the new patient life cycle is someone that's never contacted your office at all, right? Maybe they've seen your stuff, that's fine, but they've never contacted your office. The next one is the, the patient experience, we'll call it. And that's from the point they either schedule online or call your office to schedule. 
to the end of their treatment plan. That'll be, we'll call that the patient experience. And then the third is the, is basically the inactive patient. That's the person that uh, is no longer coming in your office for active care. Maybe they come every so often or whatever, but that's an inactive patient, right? Uh, those two a- aspects of the patient life cycle are where a lot of doctors fail to stay top of mind or educate them. And, and really, um, maybe it's increased patient retention if your patient experience is really good. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, maybe it's increased reactivations if you're getting information in front of people that have already been in your practice and know, like, and trust you. And so there's a higher chance they're going to come back in for things they need, or they're actually going to, I'm going to bring this now back to the new patient. Okay. Let's give a, let's tell a story. Let's say, you know, Bob is sitting at his computer and he gets your email every week on great information and some of it's on headaches, some of it's on back pain, some of it's on nutrition, whatever. But he got an email about 10 days ago that you sent on headaches that was really informative. Well, Bob's not suffering from any headaches, but he happens to be talking to Mary, his colleague, sits the, at the cubicle over, and she's complaining of headaches. There's a high chance that Bob is going to say, you got to go see my doctor for your headaches. And he can may even forward that email over to, to her. And there you go, a new patient referral. Whereas if Bob never got those emails from you and he hadn't been in your practice for a year, there's a very low chance he would have thought about you when Mary was complaining about the headaches. So it can actually drive uh, new patients into your practice, referrals from people that aren't actively coming in, uh, which is great. Okay, And let's not be so arrogant to think they remember who we are and our name, because we don't even remember our own doctors. Who's your eye doctor? I don't know, the one on the corner, I don't know his name. Maybe I remember his practice name, but it's the one across from McDonald's. Hey, oh, that guy, okay. You know? No, <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's, we have this thought process that because they came in our office, they, they know us, right? Um, and, I, and here's the distinction that you really need your patients to have. And it's do they call you your doctor? Like, oh, my doctor, my chiropractor, my physical therapist, my intern, whatever it is. They, um, do they say my doctor? versus, uh, yeah, I went to that doctor before he was okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, I've been to the, I've been to a chiropractor before you want to get to the point where they feel like you're their doctor. Right. And if they don't need you, it doesn't mean that they're, that you're not their doctor, but if you keep in front of them with, with good content and you educate them, they will still feel like you're part of their life. Okay. You could purchase you don't have to create all of these emails. Like I'm sure there's people yeah. out there where you can just a small fee and now you have four emails a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can do that for sure. Like, so whenever we're trying to get people to, to, uh, combat the overwhelm of creating content. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. There's three, there's three ways of, of doing this. One is creating content, which is going to be the highest value. Right. Uh, for sure. Two is is curating content, which is just taking someone else's content uh, and sharing that and, and obviously referencing if you're using it. But you could just share, you know, like there's nothing wrong with sharing as long as all their information's on there. But obviously, if that content supports your narrative, that's great. It's congruent, congruent with what you do. Uh, so that's curating. And then the third is repurposing. And that's something I like to talk about a lot, too, is like, how do you create? You know, I mentioned earlier, like if you wrote a, bo- a book on something or even an ebook. You can repurpose some of that content into other forms or snippets and have more content from that. And that would be repurposing content. So you want a nice blend of creating, curating, and repurposing the content. Definitely not always trying to sell something. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I had Kim Walsh Phillips on my podcast not that long ago, and I read her book. Uh, She wrote a, she co authored a book with Dan Kennedy, who's one of the kind of all time. Uh, well-known marketers. No he's BS. All, yeah, he's the new but No BS series. And her and, and, and him wrote the um, No BS Guide to Social Media Marketing, Direct Response to Social Media Marketing. So she's the social media person. He's like anti-social media. He is really, you know, 80s, 90s marketing, just a genius at marketing, but isn't really into social media. So they collaborated and wrote a book, and I had her on my on my show. And she has a saying uh, that I love, and it's you need to be 85% PBS and 15% QVC. 
So if you're familiar with PBS, that's information, right? Valuable information. 85% of that is you, you want your content to be. And then QVC is selling, right? So then 15% is selling. If you provide that type of ratio, give or take, people will still find you a value. Unfortunately, most bad marketers or people in desperation are, are like 85 QVC and 15% PBS. Because the point of the matter is, too, regardless if they like your emails or not, if they're subscribed, they will see your doctor name, your clinic name every week. So you're still being reminded and they still like, oh, that's a business. So, I mean, obviously, there's probably going to be a sales in there or whatever. So it's not like, you know, you see Best Buy in your email box. That doesn't mean you, you know, assume it to be uh, informational. But you know that there's a sell pitch in there somewhere at some point. And that's okay too, because it's top of mind. Doc, you're right. And it's a very good point because a lot of people get really uh, bent out of shape about their open rates on the email. And so I, yeah, I tell them not to. It's like, you know, if they're getting that, that subject line and it, like you said, your name and in, in the title, uh, you know, three ways to help fix your headaches, they may not read it because they don't have a headache, but they'll know that subconsciously even <laughs> that if they get a headache six months from now, it's like, oh, I remember, you know, my, my chiropractor or whatever deals with, with headaches. Right. So yeah, I want you to make sure that your marketing strategy is really, really targeting value and people that have already been in your office. So personally, I think there's so many people that, oh, I've got 30,000 names over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, who's active? Like yeah. You were talking about like, so is this content strategy a way to reactivate them or it's the point of from today, we will keep in contact with every patient? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you can get them, you know, onto your email list or mailing list or whatever you use, then that's totally fine. And then uh, if we're talking about email, a lot of times, every so often, I'll clear my list in a sense. Like, you can go into Mailchimp or whatever service you're using, and you could click a button that says like, "Filter out into a new audience anybody that has not opened up any of my last 50 emails." I may decide to clean that because there's some, you know, like there's some spam filters that catch emails. There's some promotional tabs that catch them, and so they're not getting them or whatever. If they haven't opened up a 50 or so, I just might clean that up so I do get a little bit more of an accurate assessment of my list and my open rates. And you can always send them a simple, uh, hey, if you don't open our email, we're just going to remove you from the list because you obviously don't care anyway because yeah. you haven't yeah, you know, it, even opened one in a year. It could be like something like I've seen one where it's like, it's it's not me, it's you. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me, it's you. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> and so it kind of catches their attention. And if they if they open that one up, then okay, you got them. If not, then they didn't they didn't care and then they're off your list for moving forward. So. No harm, no foul. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what's next for us? Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I'm going to go through a few strategies in a minute on that type of stuff too. But let's go back to that patient experience, right? The highest referability of a patient is during active care, right? When Bob is in your office actively for care, that's the highest likelihood that he's going to refer someone to your practice. So if you can increase the patient retention – of that patient within reason, like doc, you know, patient first, like, you know, we're going to put their health first. We're not going to sell them on some care plan that they don't need, but within reason, if the retention is, is good, that gives a longer window for them to refer in. And if you provide them with educational content value during that process, they're going to understand the things that you do and how you're helping them. That's going to also increase the likelihood of referrals. So now by, by focusing on the patient experience and the inactive patients, not only will you get the reactivations, not only will you get a longer patient, uh, you know, retention, you're going to get more referrals for new patients. And as we know, referrals of new patients is the best thing for our practice. And just for people to know, because chiropractics can get a bad name depending on where you live, we do not subscribe to the 50 visit care plan. We're talking, they were doing six or like 12 and oh, maybe they need 15 instead of 12 or 10 instead of six. Like that's kind of the numbers we're referring to, correct? Absolutely. And so, you know, again, that's why I kind of mentioned is like health first, everything else comes. Not money first and then health. It's health first and then the money will come as as you need. So good, good distinction. Very good. We have a reputation sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got the, the framework of mm-hmm. patient first. Yeah, patient first. And then, you know, the three phases of the patient life cycle, new patient marketing, patient experience, and inactive patient. Uh, do you want to dive into some of the strategies for, say, the patient experience and the inactive patient? 
Yep, that was the next question. All right, so let's do that. So I want to start with the um, let's start with the patient experience. Some of the things you do because some people are like, you know, what do you mean marketing for the patient experience? And so again, I like the word content marketing. I, I it really you know whether you call it, you could call it education based marketing, right? Sometimes words do mean stuff. Uh, so I don't want you to think you're just like. Well, if it's the, if you're worried about the patient experience, are we really wanting to market to them? They're not going to feel like they're being marketed to, okay? And so some of the strategies during a patient experience that you want is first off, are you implementing a really good, concise, and effective report of findings that really is about them and and making them aware of the direct, indirect causes, some of that? So. I can't, I'd be remiss to say if you didn't have effective patient communication, uh, it's going to be a struggle. Okay. And so you can educate them. You know, if it's the desk worker, if you spend an extra couple minutes talking about some potential ergonomics issues that's relating to their headaches, that's phenomenal, right? That's education based content that you're verbally giving them. It's not about, it's not always about social media, right? It could be public speaking. It could be one-on-one conversations. It can be live events. It could be workshops. It can be social media. It can be email. So let's get that out of the way, right? So I want to make sure that you're effectively communicating to people like that. How about if you shoot videos and you put them on your YouTube channel? One of the things I do, like for instance, I work with a lot of runners. If I get a runner in, they got a sports injury, running related injury. One of the questions I always ask them is like, are you doing a pre-run warm-up? And if they answer no or they don't like it, I I walk right over my table. I grab the YouTube link that I did. We have a YouTube channel and we have a video on a pre-run warm-up. And I just email it right to them through our EMR system and they've got a pre-run warm-up, right? So that's an example of providing them with content during their patient experience that helps solidify some information you're wanting to do. And so my YouTube channel is a database of video content. My blog and my website is as well. Like we'll get someone at not as much right now because we're in quarantine, <laughs> but yeah. they would travel for work and they'd have a back problem. And so we wrote a blog on, you know, air travel and back pain. And so I'll go over and get the link to the blog and send that to him. I was like, make sure you read this before you go on your trip. And so are you using content to help educate them that you created? right? It's a great way. And then just a little caveat to that. Some people, they don't know what to create content on. Use the questions and concerns that your patients have for that, right? That air travel blog that we wrote on back pain, that came from having so many patients ask about that. Oh, I got to travel for work tomorrow. And he's like, you know, we need to write a blog on that. So a lot of times your patients can be your creative muse, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Would you say that it's okay to just Hey, you know what? This Dr. Christie's got this great video. Let me look at it. Oh, that's great. I'm going to just use his video and he'll get the links and mm-hmm. I don't care. Or just recreate it. Yeah, it's totally fine to share someone else's info. You know, there's, sometimes I'll find a great thing on whatever that I didn't create on YouTube and I'll vet it first to make sure it's a reputable source and I'll send that to my patient. But then, yeah, you could recreate it. You don't want to like copy anything, but if it's just like a demonstration of a warm up or an exercise and then you could do it yeah. and you could, you could give credit to the original creator. If it is, if there is original creator, we're fine. That's- Cause realistically, if you're just a basic chiropractor in some small town, you're not going to get rich on the YouTube. To no. me, it's like, what you going to get a hundred views on this thing in yeah. your lifespan. So yeah. when you wanted it to be your own channel and your own person doing it, it's like, okay, the McGill big three. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's a perfect example of it. And you know, I want people, especially doctors understand is like shooting YouTube videos is not about being internet famous, right? Um, you, you know, you want to shoot the videos, you want to provide value. Video is one of the best ways of, of really connecting with the community. And then, yeah, you're going to upload it to YouTube because if you do it right, it's going to have some, um, SEO benefits to like Google cause Google owns YouTube. So if you have a lot of good video content out there, that's going to help your search engine findability. You can definitely use the YouTube videos into the links into your blog. So you know, if you, if you wrote a blog on injury prevention for runners, you would want to plug that YouTube video of the pre-run warmup in there, right? That's going to help yeah. out. You could email those videos to your email list. You know, you can use it for, like I just said, you know, sending it to your patients because they need that information. So there's more to it with YouTube than just being an internet celebrity. Thank you for clearing that up for people. Absolutely. Um, another strategy that we do 
in our practices, we do print quarterly newsletters and then we have these micro break cards and ergonomics cards and we do have a McGill kind of, you know, core four card and a carpal tunnel prevention card. We have all these different pieces of collateral that are content, like physical collateral. And pre-COVID, we removed everything that's uh, touchable in our office right now because of the COVID-19 stuff. But before that, our waiting room, we got rid of, we don't even call it a waiting room because we don't want people waiting. We call it a reception area. We got rid of all of the Sports Illustrated, the Golf yes. Digest. We got rid of all that. And we put our actual content in the reception area. And you'd yep. be surprised with how many patients pick it up and bring it home. And so now that nice design stuff with good information is sitting around their house and they're thinking of you. I didn't even know you treated that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're continually trying to educate our patients during their time with us. Um, another one is, is that when they come in, you can put them into your email and they'll get a onboarding email sequence, right? Maybe it's three or four emails drip to them, a welcome email, then an email on this, that, and the other thing, maybe some common conditions that you do, like providing value to this. So you're kind of walking them through. For ours, you know, we've got four. It's a welcome email, what to expect, blah, 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 really welcoming to the practice. The second one is a bunch of information that we put together on low back conditions because that's one of our common conditions. The third email is on neck conditions that we treat and information on how to prevent it. And then the fourth one is is a little bit of a promo. It's, again, 85% PBS, 50% QVC. Uh, we have a sports recovery center in our office where we've got the whole body cryotherapy and hyperbaric chamber and recovery boots and deep tissue laser. So we have a little promotional email on those particular services and what they can do for them. And so that's an email onboarding sequence that runs automatically. Like once they're put into the email, it goes right to them and it drips to them. Jeff Langmead has that too. Like if you're just, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Dr. Christie here just told you exactly what you could do. But if you still don't want to type it up, uh, I know Jeff has some stuff that you can purchase real quick, mm -hmm. have a list of four or seven emails, customize it, and they're very similar to what he just talked about. So again, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm, I'm talking about the, the person who just doesn't have the time or the, the willingness to do it. Because there's so many of us out here who are entrepreneurs, but we really don't want to be. <laughs> we just were forced it's into true. it. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you can farm that out. Jeff's program is really good. So I've gotten to know Jeff for the years and co-present with him. So uh, absolutely good, good service going to really help automate that for you. Because if you can automate, outsource and delegate your marketing, that's the holy grail. Hey, how do you how are you liking uh, almost everything you just mentioned in your recovery package? Yeah, I worked at a guy in, Laf you know, in Lafayette, Louisiana, mm -hmm. who did almost all of those things. And it was fun. It was fun to see and, and experience it. Um, he didn't market well. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was a, it wasn't making the money that he should have with it. Mm -hmm. But are you seeing good results with that? I mean, yeah, it's been good. I, I, you know, interestingly enough in business, you know, there's the, there's the, um, early adopters, there's that whole kind of thing. Right. And then there's actually a book called, uh, bridging the chasm. And it's just kind of a real quick lesson on that. And I'll, I'll answer your question, but there's usually a chasm of where, you know, you'll get the early adopters, and then the early majority and the late majority. But then a lot of times things will die off if it doesn't have staying power. And making sure something has staying power uh, is bridging that chasm, okay? And I don't know if the whole body cryotherapy, the whole sports recovery thing, if it's going to bridge that chasm. Uh, I was one of the first. Uh, we started in 2014 with it. This is when they were doing it. Yeah. And it wasn't a lot of people. And in South Florida is a big market. I was the second person with the whole body cryotherapy and the only person with like a packaged sports recovery center with multiple options. And, and it went really well. We had the early adopters coming in. Then we had the, you know, late adopters, early majority. Like it just went through that kind of, uh, curve, if you will, a bell curve of that. Um, and then all of a sudden, probably by 2018, it was like, there's probably 10 cryosana places and, and then there's a, a company here that's doing sports recovery that's all over the country now. Uh, uh, I honestly don't know how they're making a business out of it. Like fortunately for me, like all the stuff's paid for. I've made money off it over the years. It doesn't add to my overhead because I already pay rent for my practice. I already pay my staff for practically. It, it adds nothing to my overhead other than like the nitrogen tanks, which it costs me if I use them, right? Right. Um, so for me, I don't lose money off it. It's a good loss leader. I do still make some money off it. It's not what it was the first few years. That's for sure. Uh, so I don't, I don't recommend 
unless you got some some serious money behind you, I don't recommend going out and spending a hundred thousand dollars on all that equipment. There you go. The boots are pretty affordable, though. The, yeah, the, they're like twenty five hundred dollars. That's almost like the the, the roller well, table of the of the eighties. Yeah, 90s. or like the problem with that too is like when I had the recovery boots, I was one of the first ones really to have it here. Now, like every gym has it, sports training facilities have it, other places have you can buy it. Buy for your house practically. Yeah, a lot of people at the house like so. Not as many people come in for that as as you would think. So, okay, that was a side tangent for Justin. Sorry, y'all. Definitely, <laughs> no worries. I've no always worries. wanted to ask about that. Uh, absolutely. So, and then, you know, like just kind of finishing up the patient experience, the last thing you can really do, and there's other things as well, but, um, we send welcome letters to our new patients, right? In the, in the actual mail. And so they get a nice letter from our, on our letterhead, uh, welcome into the practice and, and going over a few things about that. And so that's something that also is getting some information during that patient experience. I've heard some people Taking it to the next level with providing a mug or a T-shirt or like yeah. some like thank you package with that kind of letter. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that or experienced? If it matters, some people do like new new patient folders and then like with a with a bag with some stuff in there. Uh, I my answer to that would be it depends on what your new patient value is, right? If you're if every new patient and it's an average, but if every right. new patient comes in your door is worth four hundred dollars, I would probably not do that. If it's $3,000, I would probably consider it. Okay. Okay. Because that's something to cons- definitely consider. Um, all right. So let's, let's do the inactive patient marketing. And these are ways you can keep top of mind awareness. And we can go back. One of my favorite quotes for marketing, go back to our reference of Dan Kennedy. You want to put a fence around your cattle is what he says. All right. The, the fence is going to be the content. And you're going to put that content around the cattle, which is your patient base and your community, right? So you're, you're just surrounding them and kind of getting them into a, uh, you're corralling them around your, with your content and they will not forget about you. They won't leave the premises. (laughs) (laughs) I always see it. Ah, yeah, exactly. And, and so that's key. Like, like you said, I always see it. And so if they're always going to see it, make sure it's good stuff. Make sure it's helpful. Don't, don't spam them to death. And so certain ways to do it is I already mentioned it in, in depth was email. I like, I like emailing my patients with value once a week. You can do two to four times a month. That's going to be good. All right. Random emails here and there is not going to cut it. Um, I like to send birthday and holiday cards to my patient base. Now, what we do with birthday cards is not individual. We just take our list of February birthdays and they all get a birthday card around the same time, right? So you don't want to get too crazy and complicated with that. Uh, you know, you could send – I'm a huge fan, and this is going to go back to what I mentioned earlier. I'm a huge fan of newsletters in the mail to people that have been in your practice the last, say, 18 months. Anything outside of that is going to be maybe not worth it. But the big thing with these newsletters is that it's not cheap. And so it goes back to – what is the like? What's the new patient value, right? And what's the office visit average? Okay, if you know, I work with some, you know, I do some consulting with some chiropractic clinics only and some physical therapy, but I've got some chiropractors where their office visit average is like fifty dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And their uh, new patient average is four hundred dollars. It's going to be hard to spend fifteen hundred a month on newsletters with a $50 office visit average, right? Like you're going to have to get a lot of people going. Now, now if you're running a really busy practice and you got a lot of people coming in and and you could spend three, $4,000 a month on marketing, which I work with a lot of chiropractors that, that do that and I, I do recommend, a, you know, if your revenue is 50, 60, 45,000 a month, then you should be spending something like that. Mm-hmm. Then I would I would recommend a direct mail newsletter for that practice uh, for sure. That'd be a really good way of patient retention. It's one of the best ways of patient retention. Okay? If you had to pick one, would you prefer birthdays over the newsletter because at some point they will be touched in the year or and cost-wise? If money is a, an issue, for sure. Like uh, Birthday cards are really cheap, so everybody should be doing that. Same thing with holiday cards. If you're doing – if you can afford to do direct mail newsletter, you should still be doing birthday cards. But okay. yeah, it's, it, the birthday and holiday card is not going to replace the effectiveness of a direct mail newsletter. Ah, okay. That's what I was trying to find out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because again, with a direct mail newsletter, it's going to be more substantial. It's going to be more consistent, like once a month. It's going to have value, like educational value. And there's a higher chance it's going to sit around their house uh, for readability. Are you looking for a direct return of investment on reactivations or new patient phone calls? Reactivation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, reactivation. But it could be referrals too, but it's harder to, to quantify. Uh, but definitely reactivation. Is there a percentage you're looking for? Oh, it's so hard. 20%? No, that'd be, if you did, if you did that, you'd be rich. <laughs> <laughs> Six week waiting list. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard. You know, is it 5%, 2%, usually in the single digits for that type of stuff. But you can make your money back though? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay. That's the, that's the bottom line too sometimes. Not always, not everybody. And that's why you got to know your numbers uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then the next one I, I truly love is uh, Facebook ads targeting your email list or your pixel on your on your website, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you can do both. But you, a lot of people don't realize this, but if you have an email list of 1,000 people, you can funnel that right into Facebook. And any of those 1,000 people that have their email address affiliated with uh, that email account, it'll, it'll actually become an audience, okay? And then you can run ads of content that only those people see. So I run Facebook ads continually for my practice. I have a company now that does it for me, uh, part of that outsourcing, right? Outsourcing and delegating. And so they do it for me, but we're always running two strategies on Facebook. One is for like awareness and trying to get new people into our, our world. But then the other one is always running content to my email list and my last 180 days of anybody that's visited our website. So I'm constantly getting content in front of those people. Would you recommend, especially if you have a list of say a thousand patients, emails, you put that in there and then create a lookalike of 1% of people literally in your area where physical therapy or chiropractor would just want the five mile, maybe seven mile radius of your office. Just create target audience based on that, right? I I didn't know you knew marketing as well as you do. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big passion. I know. I'm just kidding. I knew you knew. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) We we talked about it uh, in Kansas City. That's when we first met. Yeah, it was. It does. Yeah. It was great. We we definitely had nice conversations about marketing and such. And yeah, I mean, that's such a, a genius thing to do. And that's what we do. Uh, is, so let me let me uh, clarify it, though, right? Let's go back to the, you brought up a topic of golf, right? I treat a lot of golfers, but I wouldn't say the majority of my patients are golfers. So if I was running a blog or a video on golf or some niche like that, I would not run a 1% lookalike of my email list for that because too many of those people are not going to be into golf. That's when I would target golfers. Like, you know, you can go into Facebook and target hobbies and all that, as you know, and you could target golfers in a seven mile radius or a 10 mile radius. So if the topic of my content is niched, I'm going to go niched on my audience. If the topic is more general, like low back pain and neck pain and car, like things that would really pertain to everybody or the vast majority of my patient base, then if I want to get new people in, then I will target a 2% lookalike of my list. Does that make sense? Completely. And it's, it's not, and like what you said, you already have two campaigns running. Well, you could have four campaigns. It's like you only have $1,000 a month. Okay, then you divide it up. Like what percentage yeah. do you, or maybe you know, what percentage should we just have of generic neck pain and back pain versus those niches that you want to have? Maybe there's like a 50% to normal mm-hmm. and then you divide it up equally amongst the niches. What, what are your thoughts on that? 100%. And then sometimes even more like when I do some consulting with chiropractors, um, I dive into their practice analytics, like their numbers. And I want to see, okay, do you have a new patient problem or do you have a office visit problem? Is it a office visit average, like money problem coming in? You're not getting enough per visit, things like that. But if I notice a office visit issue, but not a new patient issue, which happens, mm-hmm. then I will probably spend a little bit more money on targeting my patient base versus new yeah. patient. Cause I'm saying like, look, we got a leaky bucket here. I don't want to keep on throwing more money into something that's into a leaky bucket. We got to solidify this leaky bucket. And, you know, when I do consult them, I'm talking about, you know, systems and communication with your patient. Is your staff hiring? Which is probably what you're lacking if you're losing in four visits. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just a marketing problem. So there's always a marketing and business component to this. And, and that's what I dive into. But I want to know that, like, do we have a problem anywhere? And if we're working on a limited budget or whatever, we probably want to really hone in on that problem first 
seal up that problem, and then we can disperse it out a little bit more. Okay. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to throw good money after bad. Yeah. I do that when I speak at Parker Vegas each year, right? On, on, <laughs> on the on the uh, poker tables. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that I, that's one of my favorite ways of of getting content in front of my. Uh, pa- my patient base is, is just really good. Uh, and then lastly, just going to wrap it up into one, like three things is get people, get your patients to like your Facebook business page, your Instagram and your YouTube channel. Try to get as many people to like that and subscribe so that when you do put content, publish it on those platforms, there's a higher chance they're going to see it for free versus having to put paid money behind it. You can't pay them to like your stuff, by the way. Correct. Don't do that. Very frowned upon. You know, provide value and then ask them and they'll say, you know what? This guy's been providing me a lot of value for a while now. I'm going to do it or, you know, just really try to do that. I heard this one time and I think I've mentioned it on a previous podcast at some point, but having like a cool area of your office, maybe you decorate something like that's uh, Instagram worthy so that they want to go and take a picture in front of it because it looks cool and it opens to have your hashtag or your business name yeah. or whatever. So when they post it for themselves, we'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's really um, kind of my my list of things for inactive patient marketing too. And so I think overall that answers the, the kind of question of strategy of content marketing versus one of the mistakes that people make is they, they think – you know, social media is marketing and they put the cart before the horse and they start running Facebook ads and Instagram ads, but, but they, they have no audience. They have no content that's useful. Their messaging is off and it doesn't work. And then they blame Facebook and marketing and all those things and they're pissed. <laughs> yeah. So I try to like make sure that people do it the right way. And that's really what I do- dove into with the book. It's, a, it's actually a book. And a workbook, which I'm really excited about. And, and Parker University is actually the publisher of the book. So I've been working hand in hand with them Look at that. to get this, yeah, to get this done. We're, we're doing it the right way. This isn't one of those books where people use for lead generation of like, it's just kind of thrown together and it's more of a, a marketing tool than anything. This is actually going to. Hey, you just offended a lot of people. I know. I know. That, <laughs> that stuff is really good too. There's a lot of good information. It has there. its purpose. <laughs> it does. But, and you know, if you think that's what your book is, if I offended you, then, then you probably deserve to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people have created books, you know, not using universities and it's, it's very good information in there. So uh, I'm talking about, you know, like you get the ones like it's a 12 page book and it's just like thrown together. No, no, like it's just. Yeah. I'm messing with you halfway. Put some time and effort into this and it's a book and a workbook that you'll work through these different exercises that actually help you develop a marketing budget, a marketing plan, these checklists, uh, an audience builder, a lot of different exercises in there that we go through. It, It really follows the roadmap of marketing, which is going to really help you understand how to develop a content marketing strategy. You need to have a clearly defined audience. So we work through that. You need to have a clearly defined message that's congruent with that audience so that when you do create that content and you use the vehicle to get it out there, like the distribution channels like Facebook and Instagram and email, it actually works. It doesn't fall on deaf ears. And so we outline this roadmap of how to do this. And no matter what phase of your career you're in, if you're a student, you want to learn this now. If you're a young, if you're a young doc, you're going to have to be doing a lot of this yourself if you've been around a little bit like I have and and been doing this and have enough revenue and profits to outsource it, then you don't have to do it yourself. And so depending on where you're at, you'll it'll be applicable for you. And we have all kinds of information about that in there. And, and it's it's called Doing It Right, Modern Chiropractic Marketing. And if anybody's interested in that, they can they can go. This is actually here's another marketing strategy. I'm going to give you a Bitly link right now, which is just how to shorten a link, right? Instead of some of those crazy long URLs, uh, you could just go to Bitly.com. It's bit.ly/slash doing it right MCM, as in modern chiropractic marketing. So doing it right MCM, and they can uh, check that out. Right. That is awesome. So y'all, if you don't know. I've I've personally done some Dan Kennedy things. I think somebody mm-hmm. let me borrow some of that information, trying to find your avatar and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. The strategic coaching and all that. So if he has that stuff in the book, you really have to actually put the effort behind it. Yeah. You know, creating a podcast audience, looking back, I probably should have just niched down into something, but there were so many, you know, chiropractic stuff. I was like, I don't want to just be, mm-hmm. I had another bigger purpose. My purpose was to get a bunch of different type of doctors, learn yeah. from them, have to think about it, integrate it. But I tell you what, it makes it difficult to, <laughs> to when you're trying to market or if you're just trying to niche down, like, 
ah, there's other people that are in the dentistry profession and you're not even a dentist. So yeah. it's kind of been a little bit of a longer road for me uh, looking back. Mm-hmm. But it was something that I had to do and it takes time. So you really have to carve some, you know, a couple hours to really focus through mm-hmm. this. I think to make the book the most practical and advantageous if you're going to spend the money to buy a book, yeah. um, which is good because a book's not as expensive as a course or a live event or a, a one year, two year, three year contract as well. So yeah. if you can be self-motivated. This is fantastic. That's the goal. It's very affordable and uh, I think you'll get a lot out of it. All right. So before we go, I've already prepped you on this one. We love to ask, how are you able to keep a happy marriage uh-huh. and be able to take a little bit more time away from work as an entrepreneur. So what do you have for us today? Yeah. You know, I, I learned from the school of hard knocks. I was previously married, divorced, but I'm actually uh, very happily married now. And we had our first child eight weeks ago. And so things are going really well. Um, you know, I am a byproduct of strategic coach, which really trains entrepreneurs in how to be very effective but at the same time, not burn yourself out. And they, they have a very strict recommendation on free days and scheduling and, and doing that. And so, uh, I like to travel. I like to take time off. I like to, uh, I actually, I now only treat patients on Mondays and Thursdays. And so I work from home on the other days and do creating or, you know, today's a good example. Today, today's a Tuesday as I record. And this morning I, I got up at 5 a.m. to, spend time with the baby and, and bottle feed him. We, uh, my, my wife is breastfeeding and, and then pumps one bottle that I do in the morning. She's up all night doing the, the breastfeeding. And so I got to spend a couple hours. He finally fell asleep. I got an hour's worth of work done. Then I had some coaching calls. Then I uh, wrote a couple emails. And, and then my wife wanted a break. So I spent an hour with the baby and, you know, play a little daddy daycare and then came to the office to record this with you. Uh, so I've just got a lot more freedom and, uh, I've just put a lot more emphasis on it. And, and to kind of give a, a little bit of sage advice here that I've learned the hard way is, you know, life's not always about money. Uh, but when you start making some, some fairly good income, uh, you can start to choose to buy your time. And that's uh, what I've decided to do over the last couple of years is I work hard and I, and I, but I work strategically, but I've decided at this point now where I feel pretty good about my income. And so I tend to start buying time and buying freedom with it. And this was the back, the big step for me was the Monday, the Monday, Thursday schedule. Real quick too. I'm sorry. Uh, we got this COVID thing. A lot of people were having to stay at home all day long and they're not used to that. And like, you and me, we have we have so many projects that uh, we mm-hmm. probably could spend 12 hours a day just doing projects. How are you able to manage that? Especially you just had a baby. Yeah. Is it like, hey, pretend I'm working for the next eight hours. I'll see you. I'm in the office. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I communicate. You know, I've got a, an office at home and I got an office at work. If it's a podcast that I'm either recording or being interviewed on or interviewing someone on because I do some solo episodes too. I'll, my office luckily is only like two miles down the road. Um, so I'll come to my office studio to do it just because I can't control if the dog's going to bark or the kid's going to scream. <laughs> so um, I'll do that. But when it's just other type of like heads down work, I just communicate with my wife. She doesn't work. She's at home with the baby. And so I'll be like, you know, from nine to 11, I'm, I'm heads down. I'll have a break from 11 to 12 if you need me. So we just kind of do a check-in in the morning stuff. So, uh, but yeah, you got to draw boundaries that that can be hard. Okay. Yeah. I've noticed that sometimes as well as like, I want to spend as much time as I can with my kid yeah. who's like 20 months, but then at the same time, like, man, I got this stuff to do. And sometimes, yeah. you know, just working from 9 PM until one in the morning, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get distracted. You want to break after work it, and you, yeah. you don't get, sometimes get as much done as you want. You know, it, it's hard. You know, I'm I, I'm a very early riser. Even without the baby, I'd get up early, and some of my best work is done at like four thirty a.m., five a.m. So I I try to feed him, get him to sleep, so I get like a nice hour from like six to seven where I just pound out some deep deep thinking stuff, or uh, that I think it's called eating the frog. Have you heard that before? Yeah. It's like, get the hardest thing done early and just get it over with. So I try to eat the frog in the morning. Smart. Well, Dr. Kevin, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. What's again, that website again? Yeah, you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash doing it right, M-C-M, and you'll be able to get the book there. Thanks again for being on the show. My pleasure. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. 
As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the No Needle Acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style. So if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, Pure VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the Prolone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan, let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's perspective. Learn stories of success. Avoid struggles they've met. Doctors of all kinds. Come together to help you shine. So sit back.